And so we are continuing in our Advent series through the first two chapters of Matthew this morning. And we come to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. So please turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Hear now the eternal living word of God. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever thought about what it means to believe? In today's world, this word belief or believe gets used a lot and in a few different ways. This past fall, for example, the players of the Philadelphia Phillies all wore shirts that said believe on them. Which for them, believe meant believe in the possibility that they could win the World Series. This is often how people use the word belief today. It's a desire for some possible outcome. Believe that something is possible. But you also may say to someone, I believe you when they tell you something, which means you accept that what they're saying is true. But for a Christian, what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? In the New Testament, the Greek word pistio is what we translate as believe. It's also translated as faith at times. It means to be convinced of something, to place confidence in, to entrust. So it's to entrust your spiritual well-being and salvation in Jesus Christ. Belief in Jesus Christ is a key concept throughout the New Testament, and it is the way to salvation. Belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, belief or faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved from the punishment of your sins is the way God has ordained to save his people. But belief isn't 
only about salvation. It's also about your growth, your spiritual formation. As you grow in spiritual maturity, you will grow in your understanding of who Jesus is. The more you know about Jesus, the more developed your belief in him is. And the Bible gives us much to know and believe about Jesus Christ. And from our passage this morning, we'll look at three truths about Jesus Christ to believe in. First, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Second, Jesus is God's salvation. And third, Jesus is God in the flesh. Our passage this morning follows the genealogy that we looked at last week, and it begins in verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. The word translated as birth here is more literally translated as origin. Matthew is saying this is the origin of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, how he came about. And so the Bible provides us with two infancy narratives of Jesus. There's this one here in the Gospel of Matthew and a longer, more detailed one in Luke. An interesting difference between them is while Luke focuses on the story of Mary, Matthew focuses on Joseph. There's an interesting point in Matthew's genealogy when he gets to Joseph. In verse 16, he writes, and that Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Matthew tells us throughout the genealogy who fathered who. And then he gets to Joseph, and he's careful not to call him the father of Jesus. But he includes Joseph in this genealogy because Joseph accepts Jesus and raises him. He he takes on the legal responsibility. He wasn't his biological father, but he becomes his legal father. He's the one who names Jesus. And this is important because Joseph is a descendant of David. We see the angel calls Joseph son of David. Matthew is making the point of how Jesus becomes the legal heir to the throne of David. How does Jesus become the king on David's throne? How does he fulfill the promises that God made to David, being an heir to David's throne? This comes through Joseph. Joseph isn't an inconsequential character in the story of Jesus. It's through Joseph that Jesus becomes the Davidic king. And that's why Matthew focuses on Joseph. Because throughout Matthew's gospel, he's focused on Jesus as king. By Joseph officially recognizing Jesus as his own son, Jesus gains his royal pedigree. This is how Jesus becomes the heir to the throne. But, as we see in this story, Joseph's natural inclination was not to take Jesus in. The supernatural essence of Jesus' birth took him by surprise as it takes the world by surprise. Matthew writes, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So Mary and Joseph are betrothed, which is similar to engagement today, but it was much more serious and binding. And Mary is found with a child or pregnant before they came together, before they physically united and consummated their marriage. 
So Joseph un- understandably assumes that Mary had been with another man, having no idea that her child was conceived by the Holy Spirit, by God himself. And so Joseph being a just man, that is a man who wants to live righteously before God, he resolves to divorce her quietly. And notice it says divorce her. It shows you how binding a betrothal was. First century Jewish culture took a betrothal more serious than many in our culture take marriage. And he wanted to divorce her quietly rather than publicly shame her. He he thought she betrayed him, but he still wanted to have mercy on her. But God steps in. And so his plan can continue because Joseph is a part of God's plan. We read, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so the angel comes to Jesus or Joseph in a dream and tells him, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. She's done nothing wrong. She's been impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The baby she is carrying has been conceived by God himself. And this is the first truth about Jesus Christ from our passage to believe in. That Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This story is not really about the birth of Jesus. It's actually about his conception. That he was conceived not by a human father, but by the Holy Spirit. By God himself. And there are many people in the world, and and in the church who who deny this doctrine. And and this is connected to what we call the virgin birth. And we proclaim this every Sunday in the Apostles' Creed, that we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And so many people who deny this, because ultimately they deny the supernatural divine nature of, of Jesus. They deny his conception by the Holy Spirit. And this emanates throughout the culture of our world. The world looks at this belief as foolish, just like they do the rest of the gospel. One writer in the New York Times once wrote, the faith in the virgin birth reflects the way American Christianity is becoming less intellectual and more mystical over time. But this idea is nonsense. The church has proclaimed this from the beginning. And to call someone who believes in the virgin birth less intellectual is based on the assumption that it's not true. But it is true. Because the Bible is true. The word of God clearly states that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That Jesus was born of a virgin. And this truth carries a lot of weight to it. To deny the virgin birth has serious implications. One scholar named Millard Erickson put it well when he said, if we do not hold to the virgin birth, despite the fact that the Bible asserts it, then we have compromised the authority of the Bible. And there is, in principle, no reason why we should hold to its other teachings. Thus, rejecting the virgin birth has implications reaching far beyond the doctrine itself. To deny the virgin birth is to deny the truth of God's word. And it ultimately undermines the gospel itself. 
Everyone who is born from natural generation, everyone who is born from a human father impregnating a human mother is born guilty of the sin of Adam and inherits a sinful nature from Adam. The virgin birth explains how Jesus can be both God and man. The virgin birth explains how Jesus is without sin and that the entire work of salvation is God's gracious act. If Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, he must have had a human father. If he wasn't born of a virgin, then the Bible teaches a lie and we are without hope in this world. Then we would still be in our sins. But the truth is that the Bible is the word of God and God doesn't lie. In order to save you and I from our sins, God broke into the line of Adam to bring his son into the world, to live a perfectly righteous life, a sinless life on your behalf that you could never live and to die the death that you deserve, taking the punishment for your sins on the cross. And in order to do this, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. But the angel not only tells Joseph that Mary's child was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but he also says that the child will be a boy, and that you shall call his name Jesus. Now the name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation, or Yahweh saves. That's why the angel says, right after saying, call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this is the second truth about Jesus Christ to believe in. Jesus is God's salvation. Now, as I mentioned, these truths are all related to each other. It was necessary that Jesus be conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin in order to be the Savior. But since it's true that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he is God's Savior sent into the world. Now, a careful reading of Matthew's genealogy gives us a lot to consider. But one thing I want to point out is how sinful the line of Jesus is. Obviously, we know it's filled with sinners. But if you consider the individual stories of many of the people in Jesus's genealogy, it is one crooked family tree. Just to name a few, there is Perez and and Zara, twins born out of incest. There is Rahab, a prostitute. There's King David, who committed adultery and murder. And David's line of kings, who up until the exile, were mostly evil. There was a few faithful exceptions, but most of the kings from the line of David led God's people into sin and idolatry. And looking through this genealogy of Jesus, the problem that Israel faces is glaring. The problem that all of humanity faces is glaring. We can't save ourselves. You're in a hopeless situation on your own. And left to ourselves, we would be hopeless. And because of the sin of Adam in the garden, all the descendants of Adam, all of humanity, inherit this sinful nature from him and because of this sinful nature we sin and we sin repeatedly constantly there's no way for us to get ourselves out of it we're born into bondage of sin and this is why Israel waited for a savior because all of humanity everywhere we find ourselves in this helpless situation 
due to our own sinful nature, due to our own sinning. You need a Savior. But as God always does, he came through on his promise. Because a promise from God is a guarantee. It's beyond any kind of promise we can make because of who God is. A promise of God is really a foretelling of what he will do in the future. God's promise are him telling us what he will definitely do 100% without a doubt. And Jesus is the fulfillment of those promises. And this is something that can't be forgotten. It can't be something that's overlooked or, or, or put behind us. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about Christ who came to save us from our sins. The birth of Jesus Christ is God fulfilling his promise to send us a redeemer. And without this truth, all hope would be lost. Without this truth, everything else would mean nothing. Without this truth, we would all be helpless and doomed. So that at Christmas, we are reminded to rejoice over this Savior, to rejoice over Jesus Christ, and to hold on to these truths, because life can be difficult. But Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to save us from our sins and our situation that we could never get out of on our own. And God did something amazing and miraculous to bring Christ into the world. Because the Savior of humanity obviously wasn't going to be a sinner like the rest of us. So in order to bring about a perfect king who would sit on the throne of David for eternity, in order to bless all nations to save his people from their sins, God came into the world himself. And this is the third truth about Jesus Christ to believe in. That Jesus is God in the flesh. As I mentioned earlier, there there are these two astounding miracles mentioned in this passage that are intertwined. The virgin birth and now the incarnation. And we read this in verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is a prophecy from Isaiah, and it mentions both of these truths. The fact that Jesus is conceived without a human father and to a virgin mother is made clear. And this passage states this. Earlier, verse 18, when his mother Mary had betrothed to Joseph before they came together. Now we're seeing in fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. The, The great medieval theologian, And philosopher Thomas Aquinas put it well. He said, in order that the body of Christ might be shown to be a real body, he was born of a virgin. But in order that his Godhead might be clear, so first was born of a woman, but in order that his Godhead might be clear, he was born of a virgin. See, the virgin birth is not something incidental to our faith. The virgin birth is fundamental to our faith. This was a truth that was proclaimed right from the beginning because God came into history. He circumvented natural human conception. Jesus was not born of a human father, so he did not inherit a sinful nature. Jesus was God becoming a human. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's a reminder of God being with us. 
Jesus is God sending a Savior, but Jesus is God also physically being with us on earth. Jesus is God as the agent of salvation. And so many of the Jews in Jesus' time were expecting a son of David who would free them from political oppression, who would free them from the Romans. But Matthew has laid out that the Messiah that God has sent, Jesus Christ, is not here to fulfill the popular expectations of what the Messiah should be. Jesus came to free his people from their sins. And he will call for repentance when he begins his public ministry. He will call his people to turn from their sins and turn toward him. And so while his ministry includes much teaching and miracles, his work culminates in his death on the cross. His work culminates in the atonement for the sins of his people. Jesus is the second Adam, born of God. But in him we have something we never had in Adam, a representative of humanity that is a representative of God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And he didn't stain that image with sin. Jesus gives us the perfect picture of who the Father is. And so God's plan to enter into humanity should always leave us in awe, should always inspire us. The mystery of the incarnation brings about the pinnacle of our faith, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the backdrop of the Christian faith is God taking on humanity, the creator of all things becoming human to save humanity, to restore all of creation. And so as we approach, approach Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and we're immersed in this Christmas season, let it be a reminder to rejoice over Jesus Christ. Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus who is God's salvation. Jesus who is God in the flesh. Because Christmas can often be about so many other things. Many of the songs you hear, many of the movies you see, don't even once mention Jesus. You can have a tree and, and decorate your house so you can turn your house into an amazing light show and it can still be completely devoid of Jesus Christ. And so it's not that you have to ban all things in Christmas that have nothing to do with Jesus, but you have to remember Jesus. You have to talk about Jesus. You have to let these truths about Jesus sink into your heart. And so as we're bombarded by things like Santa and reindeer, snowmen, all these things have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Remember to rejoice over Jesus. He is the Messiah, the Redeemer that God sent into the world to bless all nations, to save us from our sins. Remember to rejoice over Jesus and all these truths about him because he saved you from your sins. Without Jesus, you are hopeless. You're in the dark. You're left to die. Jesus is your only hope. But he is your hope. He is real. He really was born of a woman. He really lived a sinless life. He really bore the punishment for your sins on the cross. And he really defeated death in his resurrection. Remember to rejoice over the truth that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus became human to save you because you could never save yourself. All the human leaders of Israel, of God's people that were descendants from 
Abraham and David, they were sinners. They couldn't bring redemption. They couldn't be the Messiah, the Christ. Salvation is completely the work of God. As the name Jesus tells us, Yahweh is salvation. So if you are having difficulty, struggling with illness, loneliness, sorrow, mourning, remember, you can rejoice over the truth of Jesus Christ. You can hold on to your belief in him and all that he is because it is true. Because of Jesus Christ, you can know that God is always with you. Because of Jesus Christ, you can know that he always fulfills his promises. Because of Jesus Christ, you can know for sure that God loves you. In Jesus Christ, you have everything. Without him, you have nothing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you as your people this morning gathered in your name to worship you and glorify you. Lord, we praise you for the miracle of the incarnation that we celebrate this Advent season. May we never lose sight of what you have done for us. May we always remember in our heart with joy and rejoicing the salvation you provided in your son. May we hold on to the hope that we have the future hope of his return in the second coming as we go through life in this world. And may we focus our lives and give them over to you, seeking your glory and your kingdom in all that we do, praising you with our voices and our lives, all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.